Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up. President Biden once again releases millions of barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve. Doing everything in my power to reduce gas prices. A move that leaves the reserve at a decade's low and comes only 20 days before the midterms. And a new report says TikTok is tracking you even if you don't use the app. How is it doing that? And what information is it getting? And the IRS responding to inflation, allowing you to keep more of your money next year. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. President Biden said today that he's releasing more oil from America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve in another effort to lower gas prices. The Department of Energy will now sell another 15 million barrels to complete a previously approved release. Biden also says more drawdowns are possible this winter. Families are hurting. You've heard me say it before, but I get it. I come from a family. If the price of gasoline went up at the gas station, we felt it. Gas prices hit almost every family in this country, and they squeeze their family budgets. But will these 15 million barrels help those struggling families? History suggests they do lower prices, though only in the short term. Naturally, when there's more supply, prices tend to go down a little bit. Former Representative Chuck DeVore of the Texas Public Policy Foundation says the long-term story, though, is different. Uh, When you uh, drain the uh, nation's strategic petroleum reserve, you're competing against domestic energy producers. What you're trying to do is you're trying to lower the cost of oil. But when you do that, you discourage people from uh, extracting America's own oil uh, and exploring for new oil. And of course, this is on top of policies where the Biden administration has been making, making it very difficult to go after oil on public land. DeVore says Biden is using the reserves to make up for a lack of production. Biden was very hostile towards the oil and gas industry when he was running for president. He even said he wanted to take away the industry's ability to drill. But on the other hand, Chuck DeVore believes gas prices have a direct impact on the president's approval rating. He says this is one reason why Biden is doing all these reserve releases. When he first did this in November of 2021, uh, prices did go down for a month and then they stayed stable for about a month or two after that. Uh, You saw then an immediate increase in the president's job approval rating that lasted for one month uh, as gasoline prices were declining. Uh, And then as they stalled out, you see his approval rating flatten out, and then uh, eventually his disapproval rating begins to rise again. And today's announcement comes only 20 short days before the midterm elections. This election is a huge deal for Biden. Republicans and Democrats are fighting over the entire House of Representatives, all 435 seats, as well as 35 seats in the Senate. If enough Republicans win, they can stop Biden from doing almost anything for the rest of his term. Some polls show Republicans are likely to win back the House, while Democrats are likely to keep the Senate. Daniel Turner, the founder of energy education firm Power the Future, believes Biden is hoping this release will help Democrats in the midterms. But he also believes it's a dangerous thing to do. We don't know what natural disasters are going to occur. So to tap into the reserves which are are for emergency purposes and not a hedge against bad economic policy for political gain, uh, it does make America very vulnerable. And, And it's the job of the president to protect America 
not to use its, its uh, resources for political advantage. The reserves are at a dangerous 36-year low, the lowest level since 1984. Turner believes Biden should have encouraged production early on. Then America wouldn't have to tap into its emergency reserve on such a large scale. Biden, however, did talk about replenishing the reserve at today's announcement. Here's his plan. The United States government is going to purchase oil to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve when prices fall to $70 a barrel. <clears throat> that means oil companies can invest to ramp up production now. With confidence, they'll be able to sell their oil to us at that price in the future, $70. Refining and refilling the reserve at $70 a barrel is a good price for companies. But a big hurdle to that plan is $70 oil may not happen very soon. This is according to J.P. Morgan, America's biggest bank. It projects oil could skyrocket to a sky-high $150 a barrel next year. And not just that, it says oil production may be tight for the next decade. Even though people see a need for more production, investors and companies aren't doing it. But J.P. Morgan says that oil could go to $80 if there's a recession. If that happens, maybe oil could hit $70. Daniel Turner says this is, though, still far worse than what could have been. Even $70 a barrel is high. Uh, oil should, should be, you know, 55 if all things of, of, of oil and gas infrastructure were in place and we had an administration that wasn't punishing us. So there is just the pure dollar problem. Biden has released a hefty number of barrels this year, 180 million, if you include the 15 million announced today. This is an entire quarter of the reserve's total capacity. Oil prices actually rose today despite Biden's announcement. U.S. benchmark WTI up over 3%. International benchmark Brent rose over 2%. Moving on, it seems the insurance industry is turning its back on fossil fuels. The reason? Climate concerns. An alliance that tracks insurance policies says it's especially true for reinsurance companies. These are companies that help other insurers spread their risks. The alliance called Insure Our Future says 62% of reinsurance companies plan to stop covering coal projects. Meanwhile, 38% are now excluding some oil and gas projects. Insurance companies raise rates because of risky behaviors. In this case, one expert said the fossil fuel sector is risky because of its greenhouse gas emissions. Though on this point, not all scientists agree, especially on whether or not climate change is a dire threat or whether humans are causing it. And billionaire Bill Gates is probably happy that insurers are turning their back on fossil fuels. Actually, he said the energy crisis in Europe could be a good thing in the long run. That's because it could speed up the transition to other energy sources. He told CNBC that people may have been a little optimistic about how quickly the transition could happen and that Europe dropping Russian natural gas was a setback. Now, on the other hand, it's good for the long run because uh, people won't want to be dependent on Russian natural gas. Uh, so they'll move to these new approaches more rapidly. Though Gates did say Europe needs to find a substitute for Russian energy sources like coal plants for now. He said the priority is keeping people warm and keeping their economies in decent shape. Yesterday, he published an article saying that countries like the U.S. that have prospered from fossil fuels should completely decarbonize. 
And on to Wall Street. U.S. stocks ended a two-day winning streak today. The Dow lost 100 points, or three-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 fell 25 points, or seven-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 92 points, or nine-tenths of a percent. Americans are cutting back on groceries. Big time, it seems like, as inflation stretches families' budgets. Now, one in four shoppers say they bought fewer items last month. This is according to a new morning consult survey. Even wealthier families are dialing back purchases with one in five buying fewer items. The survey says consumers also clipped more coupons and went for generic brands. Morning Consult says retailers should take note as slowing demand could spell trouble for them down the road. The most recent data shows prices for food at home rose 13 percent for the past year. But apparently Nestle isn't suffering from the effects of inflation. Quite the opposite, the Swiss food giant Wednesday posted its strongest sales growth in 14 years. Most of the increase came from higher pricing. It seems like the company has successfully passed inflation onto shoppers. But even so, the chief executive called the current economic environment challenging. He says customers are losing purchasing power due to inflation, which makes setting prices a balancing act for the firm. On one hand, it wants to protect its profit margins, but on the other, it doesn't want to raise prices so much that consumers stop buying. Nestle has raised its outlook for the year. Nestle shares were down 2% today. And the IRS will let people keep more of their income next year in response to inflation. Now, because tax rates are automatically adjusted for inflation, there will be higher cutoffs for all seven income tax brackets. Also, there will be a higher standard deduction when you file your tax return. For example, the income thresholds for the top tax rate are going up 7% from this year. And the standard deduction for married couples will rise by $1,800. And an outage to a South Korean app caused so many problems across the country that the company's CEO was forced to resign. NTD's Sean Marshall has more. A fire caused the outage of South Korea's largest mobile app, Kakao creating problems across the country. Kakao's company CEO, Nam Kung Wan, stepped down on Wednesday after the outage of the app and other services triggered widespread backlash from authorities and the public. As a representative in charge of Kakao's services, I feel responsible for the outage and more miserable than ever before. And I am stepping down from my role as CEO to strengthen Kakao's commitment to reform and change. Millions of people had trouble contacting each other. Mobile banking and gaming services were shut down. Many couldn't pay for their everyday items at convenience stores and grocery stores. Travelers were left stranded because they were not able to book taxis while drivers were deprived of income. Kakao Talk, launched in 2010, has more than 47 million active accounts in South Korea, making it one of the most popular apps in the country of 51.6 million. More than 650 small businesses complained about the lost sales due to the Kakao outage. Similar to China's WeChat app, Kakao is what some call a super app. It handles messages, payments, delivery services, and more. It's what Elon Musk has hinted he wants to do with Twitter. Kakao said it's investing $325 million to build its own data center next year, with another one to be completed the following year. The policy chief of South Korea's ruling party said on Wednesday that lawmakers will propose a bill requiring companies like Kakao to back up their systems. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And TikTok is collecting your personal data across the internet even if you don't use the app. This is according to a recent report by Consumer Reports. 
It found that TikTok is partnering with hundreds of websites to gather information on visitors. And you don't even need to have a TikTok account for it to be able to track you. For example, if you look up medical conditions on the WebMD website, TikTok will know what you searched for. Or if you go on the pharmacy store Rite Aid's website and you add something to your cart for you to buy, TikTok will be notified about it. And if you go on some websites that provide financial advice or personal loans, TikTok can get information on your economic situation. And here joining us to talk about TikTok is FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. Commissioner, you've been vocal about possible threats from the Chinese Communist Party and its influence in the U.S. What is the federal government's current position on TikTok? Well, you're right. I think there's a lot of national security threats posed by TikTok, and we see them from several fronts. One, it's all the data that is flowing back inside of China and potentially being accessed by members of the CCP. Second, uh, it has to do with potential foreign influence campaign, which is using algorithms and other uh, methods of displaying particular content uh, to Americans here in the U.S. And the third way is all this data going back into Beijing that is potentially being used to improve and train uh, the CCP's artificial intelligence. So I think that's a problem. At the U.S., we have a number of inquiries ongoing. The Federal Trade Commission has been asked to take a look. Our Commerce Department is looking at it. And there was recently a uh, report out that says our Treasury Department has cut at least a preliminary deal with TikTok regarding these data flows. So I'll, I, for one, am going to be watching that Treasury Department development very closely. You know, you tweeted recently about an article that said TikTok is partnering with companies to collect people's data on websites they visit. Now, Google has been doing this for years. Why does it matter that TikTok is doing it? Yeah, this is an entirely new concern. I mean, up to now, I've been very focused on the data that someone that has TikTok on their smartphone, uh, the data that's being accessed from that person's smartphone. But this new report uh, from an organization called Consumer Reports showed that, in fact, you don't even have to have a TikTok account. But if you're visiting websites, that information is being captured and uh, sent back to TikTok. And those are websites, everything from uh, the Girl Scouts of America to Rite Aid Pharmacy to domestic violence websites. And you're right that other companies are engaged in similar conduct, including Google and Facebook. And frankly, I think we need a broader set of privacy protections in place. But it's one thing for Silicon Valley-based companies to be capturing this information and pursuing capitalistic ends with that data. And it's quite another thing that this data is ultimately finding its way back inside China, which obviously is an authoritarian state. Uh, and their use of that data is then unchecked by any sort of independent judiciary or otherwise. And in fact, if the data does then exist in China, it's subject to China's national security law. So it's much more problematic uh, if that data goes back inside China than if it's just data that Google or Facebook has. And uh, amid all these concerns, it seems like TikTok is preparing to expand into e-commerce. So for, for Americans, what, what's the significance of that if it actually happens? Yeah, this is concerning. I mean, look, given everything that we know right now about TikTok, now is not the time for any regulator or any country to be blessing TikTok's expansion into new business lines. What we need to be doing is closely scrutinizing their conduct to date and putting sufficient protections in place. So I wouldn't be in favor of blessing uh, expansion into new business lines right now. Does, does TikTok have a lobbying presence in D.C.? They do, yeah. They have a significant lobbying presence, and recent disclosures show that they're spending a lot of money uh, in this town, and hopefully uh, they're, they're spending it uh, not wisely, 
uh, because hopefully people aren't going to be persuaded by that lobbying campaign, and instead they're going to look at the facts uh, and the data that we have. But I wonder if the lobbying campaigns are having an effect because in 2020, the federal government forced TikTok to, to be sold to an American company, but in 2021, it was shelved. So is there a change in attitude towards TikTok in the federal government? You know, I think if you look at the Trump administration and now into the Biden administration, there's actually a baseline within both administrations that's pretty tough when it comes to the security threats posed by communist China. So at this point, uh, it's too early to say that those lobbying efforts are paying any dividends. I would just say that, you know, it takes time, it takes process to review and get to a final decision on these issues. But I do hope that this administration moves forward quickly here. Commissioner, are you in the position that TikTok should be banned in the U.S.? You know, look, I'm open, at least theoretically, to this idea that we could create uh, a sufficient divider between uh, U.S. user data and that data being accessed in uh, either back inside China or by members of the CCP. I'm open to that. I think as a practical matter, it's going to be very difficult to get there because at the end of the day, we're talking about data, we're talking about uh, systems that uh, were built by China. So getting a sufficient level of confidence that we have stop their access to this data will be difficult. So that may end up resulting in a circumstance where we need some sort of broader divestiture or corporate separation uh, from, from China. Our FCC Commissioner, Brendan Carr, thanks for your time today. Thanks, really appreciate it. Thank you. And Americans working for China's semiconductor sector are facing a potential dilemma. A U.S. ban on semiconductors could force them to make a choice, which is to give up their jobs that help China advance its microchip technology or lose their American citizenship. NTD's Julia Song has more. The U.S. is tightening its stranglehold on China's microchip development. The Commerce Department is coming out with a new restriction, barring U.S. persons from helping China's microchip development without a license. Here's the group that falls under the U.S. person's category. U.S. citizens, permanent residents, people that live in the U.S. and American companies. The new measure is a blow for China, as many key persons helping the regime's development in the semiconductor sector have U.S. residency. Among them, at least 43 senior executives at Chinese semiconductor companies are American citizens. That's according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. One example is Gerald In. He's the founder of AMEC, China's top semiconductor equipment maker. In spent almost two decades working for the U.S. microchip giants, like Intel and Applied Materials. After stints in Silicon Valley, In went back to China and founded AMEC. Semiconductors are key to U.S.-China competition. These tiny chips are the hearts and brains of modern electronics and make everything from iPhones to cars to fighter jets possible. Advanced chips are also critical for military technology. The U.S. ban drew immediate reaction. Several big names in the industry have put holds on their American employees' work in China while waiting for officials to clarify the rules. Examples include Dutch equipment maker ASML and U.S. chipmakers KLA and LAMP Research. And Hong Kong's chief executive John Lee today unveiled a new visa plan to attract global talent. Lee said the so-called Top Talent Pass scheme will allow those earning more than $318,000 a year to work in the city for two years. The plan also allows graduates from the world's top universities to pursue opportunities in Hong Kong. According to Lee, the city's workforce has shrunk by about 140,000 people over the last two years. 
And also, over the past few years, the Chinese communist regime has been cracking down on the city's freedoms. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Walmart launching a new platform for social media influencers. How can it help them make money? And a fancy restaurant in Paris showing how the industry can prepare great meals using less energy. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The aftermath of the pandemic seems to have given Americans more free time. Due to COVID, more people started to work from home. And that meant less time was spent overall in traffic. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York says working from home saves Americans 60 million hours per day from commuting. According to the American Time Use Survey, most Americans use the extra time on personal errands, sleep, and hanging out with family and friends. And Walmart is launching a platform for social media creators and influencers. It will allow them to earn commissions on product recommendations to their followers. They can share product links on any social media platform of their choice, and they can also apply to take part in brand campaigns. There's no minimum social media follower requirements to join the platform, and there's no cap on commissions. The beta version of the platform launches ahead of the holiday shopping season, and Walmart plans to fully launch it in 2023. Competitor Amazon launched something similar five years ago, which is a creator-driven sales platform called Amazon Influencers. And it seems like there's a market for people who want McDonald's adult Happy Meal toys. Adult Happy Meals toys sold out quickly after they were available, and now the toys are being resold online at high prices. One eBay listing offered three of the toys still unwrapped for $300,000. Another is asking for $25,000. No word yet if McDonald's will bring back more adult Happy Meals, but it does appear there is a demand. Some Americans are willing to pay high dollar for nostalgia. And a fine dining restaurant at the foot of the Eiffel Tower doesn't, doesn't just offer great view of Paris. It also gives diners an idea of how the whole industry can prepare an energy-efficient meal. Let's take a look. Nestled on the first floor of the majestic Eiffel Tower, Madame Brasserie is dealing with the unfolding energy crisis in its own way. Michelin-starred chef Thierry Marx has made it a showcase for local cuisine, cooked with minimal energy consumption. Here is a dish of leeks that comes from just 30 miles away, seasonal leeks. We simply cooked it in its own juices and then we wrapped it in paper. As a leek is 80% water on average. We cook it in its own juices and we're going to finish it simply by passing it over a flame. The leeks are then stripped of their hard skins, leaving the hearts to be served as a starter. The small steps that I've explained are found in this dish, making it pleasant to eat pleasant to pay, reducing the carbon impact of this dish, and at the same time, we don't have the impression that we're undergoing a revolution. Marx earned his first Michelin star in 1998 and now runs several restaurants. He remarked on how the industry has grown more energy conscious over the years. 
If you had come into this kitchen 20 years ago, the heat would be at full blast as we're waiting for the evening service. All the stoves would be switched on, all the ovens would be on. Now his crew cooks on induction cookers with high-quality copper casseroles, which only heats the pan itself without warming up the entire kitchen. That has delivered a message amid the energy woes now plaguing Europe and the world. We must not think that just because we run a bistro, a brasserie, a restaurant, that we would be detached from all that by saying, I don't care. No, there is an awareness. At times, a little late in this profession, but there is a real awareness on the social impact, the value of our profession. The chef added that the entire restaurant has been designed to conserve water and energy since it opened in June. And that's all we have from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.